0: Hello, St. Clair Community Church. We wanted to offer a brief word, uh, perhaps more than what we've been able to do with um, short and simple posts online, Um, we wanted to take a moment to broaden our conversation a little bit more about racial injustice and what that means for St. Clair. What we're offering right now is not exhaustive, and it's not definitive. This isn't sort of St. Clair's statement on all things race. Um, This is an ongoing conversation for us. It's, It's a constant conversation amongst us and our staff team and our leadership team. We're just trying to bring you in on that as it keeps going for us. So we're gonna just highlight in short and simply a couple things that have been threads for us uh, in the recent days and weeks, and that we just want to be able to bring sort of a whole community in on. So um, very simply, we want to talk about why the movement of Black Lives Matter is important to St. Clair. Matt, you want to
1: open us with that thought? Thanks, Dave. (laughs) Um, I think as well, just we definitely want to acknowledge there's a sense that this is a pastoral. Uh, word, there's three people here none of whom are people of colour so we just want to recognise that up front but we're trying to uh, give yeah, a response to what's going on pastorally as the pastoral staff of Sinclair that we've been given this kind of responsibility for Um, I think why black lives matter is honestly because black lives have always mattered, I think that's actually a really important part of this, we are joining a historic movement of racial injustice that has been going on for a while. I was reading Brian Stevenson who wrote the book Just Mercy and he had an article in the New Yorker where he said what is happening now is almost a tipping point of something that's been historic Mm -hmm. and, you know, he said we assumed slavery had ended in the US but it just took on different forms. And so I think this is really important because justice matters to God. Uh, Cornel West, I think he says, you know, love is what justice looks like in public. And so as a church, we should always be responding to injustice of different forms. And racial injustice is something that's been a scourge on humanity. And so as the church, we always want to be on the forefront of those things. Cornel West goes on to say, to be popular, he says in America, is to be well acquainted with injustice and almost not speaking up about it because we are worried about what our voice may say but I think as the church we've always had a responsibility to speak up about injustice you look throughout the whole of the scripture Jesus arrives on the scene but he is actually proclaiming something that's happening over and over in the Old Testament where the prophets arrive and say hey you are doing these things that may be a practices of worship but what about those people who are most oppressed and most vulnerable in society and so I think to talk about this, um, I think happened because it did precipitate a moment, as I said, there might have been a tipping point, but it's something that the church should always be at the forefront mm-hmm. of. I think, we, I said this at the time when I posted right after the murder of George Floyd, I said, I think it's highlighted um, what's happened in America, but definitely as Canadians, particularly as me as an English person, This is right on our doorstep too. And we also want to recognise that. I think for we as the church in Canada, particularly here in Hamilton, we should be asking the question, how do we respond to this locally? So it's a a movement of injustice that we want to acknowledge globally, but we also want to pay attention to where that's taking root in and around us all the time. So what's our response here to people of colour and particularly to the Indigenous? population in our city and in our nation where there have been huge injustices against those groups. Um, I've said this a few times, but I was in a conversation with our friend Aaron White from 24-7 Canada a couple of years ago, and Aaron's brilliantly insightful and prophetic, and we were just having a conversation. He threw in this line and then kept talking. He just said, oh Matt, you do realize when God moves moves in Canada, it's going to be through refugees and First Nations. And then he kept talking and I went, whoa, 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 let's go back to that a little bit. And I think that has now come to the forefront that if we're going as a church to pay attention to where we think God is at work, it is going to be through some of these groups and maybe some of these people who have historically been pushed, particularly to the margins of maybe current culture. Um, And so I think if we want to pay attention to where God is at work, it's in these places. Our friend Lisa Coons on a video uh, Amy sent to us of a conversation with Brian Heasley said, we've been praying for revival for years and years, and maybe revival is starting to happen, but maybe it's not in the church building where we thought it would break out, maybe it's on the streets in and around us. And I think that's something we wanna pay attention to. Um, I was reading the Twitter feed of someone I really respect who's a pastor, and a couple of weeks ago, he wrote the line, we need a move of God. And someone wisely underneath wrote, maybe we're getting one. Mm. And so I think for us to really think about how we as a church respond to this is to pay attention to the voices that are crying out around us who've suffered from terrible injustice. And I think particularly for predominantly white churches, this is something we need a lot of humility in. I think we need to, as I said to my friend Aisha the other day, actually shut up for a little while and actually listen well to voices and pay attention to not feel like we even need to massage something or say, well, how do we do this so that we can um, even get our voices out there? It's, I think it's the time to listen really well. And that's actually why we've not rushed to throw out a bunch of videos like this, because I think we really felt we wanted to really wait and say something, but actually pay attention to other voices rather than diving in with what would be a natural response that might come even sometimes from a place of ego and so I think as a church this is a really important time particularly for Sinclair to listen and we would even argue has been part of a bit of our story right from the start we've had this sense that um, how we respond to the most vulnerable is how God will respond to the church.
2: I think um, yeah I would just echo that one thing I was thinking about like why does this need to be important to us is um, because it's important to our neighbors uh, and we can't serve our neighbors if we well if we don't know what's important to them so uh, like Matt said it's not just a you know a problem over there there are things happening in Hamilton and in Canada that we uh, need to open our eyes to um, so that we can be the church to people around us.
0: Yeah, I I had um, heard someone share very wisely to say it's a privilege to learn about racism Mm -hmm. and not to have to experience it Um, and I Um, that would be true for many of us certainly not all of us um, but it's um, we're learning in this conversation this we have to take that posture of learning Um, uh, a voice that um, would be well well respected within the church in in North America you know offered I, I think a pretty pretty bold confession they'd said I think we're experiencing a divine reckoning in America they go on to say I don't think the reckoning is over our having simply sinned. I think it's over the fact that we've used God and the Bible to do it. And so we're, um, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done for us, Um, but we want to have the long-term sort of trajectory in mind. Um, We don't want a news cycle to determine how and when we talk about these things, we want to think maybe in a generational sense. We wanna ask the question of how do we have something to pass on to our kids that is better than what we inherited and better than what we did ourselves. And so there's, there's a lot of work right now to have a posture of learning, to, be, uh, to have a lot of humility um, in this conversation. And, and for all those reasons and more, we, we really think this, this matters and it's a
1: sensitive time to be paying close attention. I think as well, with humility, I'd want to say, I think, depending on where you grew up, we've also actually, if we're really honest, we've said, I think some lives matter more than others. I think that's just what we've done, you know, and I think when we open the book of Genesis right at the start, God creates humankind and says, you are now image bearers, and I think we've actually not given dignity to so many image bearers, and so I think that at its heart is why it matters, because it matters deeply to God that we're seeing. That way, and I think, particularly as a as a white male, I would say, oh yeah. I think at times we've white people have looked around said, oh yeah, but I think we're actually more important, and we would just say that's just anti-gospel, anti-following Jesus, and just not true. And so I think to give some dignity and say, oh well, we need to figure out how those scales have been imbalanced in order to respond to the heart of God to that
0: and thinking about how do we respond to this personally. Um, I had a, a moment a couple weeks ago, we've, um, as much as we're able, we've put a lot of time and energy in trying to learn in this. And we're constantly sharing resources, articles, podcasts, uh, a variety of things to teach us along the way. And there's some of those things we've made available on our, on our website that we think would serve our whole community well. But I remember um, a number of mornings ago, having read an article that um, was a very honest confession about uh, um, a prominent uh, leader in the church who was confessing um, his blind spots on racial injustice. Uh, And as I processed that, I was in my backyard and I noticed a bush that has always been in our backyard, but I sort of took notice of it in a way that I hadn't before and uh, saw a dead branch, you know, that was hanging inside of it. Uh, And so I went, grabbed that branch, kind of pulled it out and realized, oh man, this branch is bigger than I thought. And then as I looked closer, I saw more dead branches and I didn't notice that before. So I I was like, oh, I gotta gotta prune this thing. I gotta make this plant right. Just start pulling out dead branch after dead branch. I was shocked how many dead branches there were. And then I got rid, like it really is a tangled up mess of a bush, so I was vigorously ripping out all these dead branches because it felt like they were endless. And by the end of it, I realized, oh man, I got so into this finding the dead pieces that just had to go, and they were literally actually going to get burned in our fire pit. Um, and I discovered I was so rigorous and vigorous that I started pulling out branches that weren't totally dead, some that still had leaves and life on them. And it it just struck me in that moment of, oh, I have to be so careful on the kind of work that I do to try to pull out the dead parts of me. And I have to be even more careful as I point the finger and see the dead and dying parts in others or in our society that I don't squash or hurt or even kill places where there might actually be life and what's happening in others and it just it was just something that kind of taught me in that moment um how it's careful work to look at the interior of our lives and to examine our society I think right now we can see big fault lines society culturally but I think we also have to look inwardly to see that the same fault lines that are out there exist as cracks in our own heart like it's It's the same thing because society is not sort of a separate entity unto itself. It's a bunch of people just like us and we are are part of this thing. And and I think um, moments like this demand a lot of honest look at the interior of our own lives to see where not the blame sort of always lands out there but where the blame lands with us as well along the way.
2: Yeah one of the things I was reflecting on in the past couple weeks, I came across these verses in Psalm 7 and I didn't write them down. So you'll have to look. Uh, but it's Psalm 7, 3 to 5, and it it's just the psalmist saying, Oh Lord, if, if I have done this thing, if I have, um, you know, caused harm unknowingly, like, would you correct that in me? And I just felt like, Oh, I think that for the church, um, maybe in Hamilton, maybe for St. Clair, for sure, for myself, it's easy to think, like we said, like these things are out there, Um, but to examine, you know, the places where in ways we've been complicit, um, I think it's really important as a predominantly white community to recognize that there are likely places in the systems uh, that we really benefit from um, and and that to to turn away from those things actually means we have to turn away from our comfort. Um, and you know Matt talked about that actually this past Sunday about how we often just make our decisions based on our own comfort. And sometimes, you know, our own comfort is not saying anything uh, when, when a situation comes up and, and in that way, we've actually participated. Um, I think the other thing that's easy to do is in thinking that it's all out there and thinking, I've got to figure out how to, like, make my dent in this. Like, I know I care about it, God. Um, That can be super overwhelming. And so, um, as Dave talked about, like, this generational, um, we want to leave something better uh, as we think, like, long term. Those are the things that we actually do have influence over things like our kids, our friends, our neighbors, and having these conversations, um, actually, though they may feel small, are steps in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I think it it should always be personal. I remember um, one of the huddles uh, that Dave and I were leading, we actually had an evening just to talk about our personal reaction to what we were feeling, just to even recognize our own feelings. Like, There's probably a a myriad of feelings, some from actually feeling helpless, like I want to do something I don't know what to do, to just burning anger about seeing injustice. And then when you then reflect, you know, Psalm 139 says, um, search me, O God, and know my heart. Um, know my thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And just this sense of that line, see if there's any offensive way in me, I think really almost rung true for me, as as David has beautifully said but it's easy for me to go even sometimes like the um, New Testament you know like oh well I'm not like them or I'm not like that person and then Jesus always says yeah but Matt what is the stuff that's within you and just recognizing we all have a bias or a I think even a, a history towards other people you know depending on our cultural background or our upbringing even though we not like to admit it we know there's biases out there that we um, that are in our lives. So how do we actually bring them before God and just genuinely repent? I think repentance is a key part. Dave shared it a few weeks ago in the book of Acts of um, what it means to follow Jesus is a calling back. And Amy said it really well recently. It's a change in a way of thinking. Repentance is to change our minds and our hearts will follow suit. And so how do we first of all repent ourselves and reflect on what that looks like? And then, because Amy said really well, What's the next step that I can participate in? Because I think there's injustices in the system that I think we actually do need to campaign for as the body of Christ. But then also, what can I just do locally to understand how I respond to the person I see in the street, my neighbor, or even in my own neighborhood? And so I think sometimes we can feel paralyzed because it seems so big, but actually I think there are small steps we can all do in response and if it starts then we all started to do those i think that would have a a bigger response to the things we see in our loudness. yeah it brings to
0: mind uh two different references one is mother teresa said if you want to change the world go home and love your family which is i've heard that a while ago and I, i think i too easily passed it off as oh that's a nice mother teresa thing to say i think it's actually annoyingly true that we can't look past uh, our neighbors and our own families um, before we think about how it is we're gonna change the world. Um, and I think as well of G.K. Chesterton, probably about a century ago, you, you maybe you've heard us reference this before, but the Times newspaper in London, England at the time posed the question to a collection of uh, thinkers of the day saying, what is wrong with the world today? And his response in a letter back was saying, I am. GK Chesterton and I, I just I think that's that's the example that we have to follow that's the example that we have to own for ourselves to say that we're we're complicit in these things and we we have a, a part to play and and what we're saying is repentance is it's probably the first step in all this um, maybe lastly to highlight to um, this will just in part be able to say how are we responding as a community what what do we anticipate things looking like going forward
2: yeah i think uh we've highlighted a bunch of the ways that we want to respond we don't want to respond to the tipping point i mean that's important and it's a catalyst but we don't want to just pay attention for this moment um we want to be a a people, a family uh, who justice matters to. Um, So our response right now is we have spent a lot of time praying about where are the places that we've been blind um, and how, how do we need to repent. Uh, we've been lis- trying to listen to as many voices um, and collecting resources to, to understand the things that we just don't naturally understand, the things that we just don't naturally see, largely because of our upbringing and the color of our, color of our skin. Some of those resources we've already made available to you on the website, um, so we'd encourage you to go and look there to learn and to listen uh, with us. We don't want to just be a team of leadership doing this for our community. We want to move our whole community uh, together on issues of justice um, the next thing in knowing that there is always uh, a list a mile long of demands for our attention is we've actually asked a few people from our leadership team and from our community to to help lead us in this um we need people who will continue to put this back in front of us who will help us to learn where are good places to listen where are the places to learn um, and yeah we're just committed to continuing that process for the length of our existence really um as a community um as individuals for our lives um, we on a very practical level we are looking and discerning where locally we might be able to make a financial contribution Uh, to an organization who knows far more than us. Um, We would never want to say, oh, here's some money, you do the work. Uh, But we do recognize that we have resources that could be of value to people who are already on the ground. Um, And we also want to look, again, locally for ways that we can serve those organizations um, and what would partnering with organizations who are leading the way in justice really look like we don't necessarily have answers on those things yet um, but it is something we're committed to as a leadership team we've now committed it on video to you um, and that's actually a really good thing uh, to do even personally to you know as you talk to friends say I'm actually committed to this would you help me uh, stay focused on it
1: I think on the day of Pentecost so we've been in the book of Acts it says the Holy Spirit comes and there's this violent wind it also says um, fire falls on the disciples and we actually think Mm -hmm. there's a fire that's actually falling on people in our community who are just stirred up by this so like Amy said our commitment to try and um, not put out the flame, but actually stoke it in the right direction and help people come together who have a similar passion for this, who can actually lead our community in that. And I think even as staff, we recognize if it was just an extra thing on our list, we'd want to do it, but there's so many other things vying for our attention. So to actually gather together a group of people who have gifts, who care passionately, who can keep that fire stoked was really important. So that group will be actually giving more information of how, as a community, we plan. To respond and I do think um, it's also relationship is so important for this I know we always say that but um, you know one of our favorite phrases it's the kingdom of God moves at the speed of relationship so as we invest in relationship with local groups and people I think that's important um, and yeah, it, to quote Mother Teresa again she can never have too many of those <laughs> she has this line that I thought about right at the start when I heard of this thing with George Floyd she says we have no peace because we've forgotten we belong to each other and so the expansion that is the idea of kinship that is actually familial not just um noticing but actually deepening relationship in that way so i think the work of relationship as amy said for the long term and truly building relationship that will keep going i think is definitely one of the key points And as always, and I hope this would already be obvious
0: um, from other points along the way, but we're a community that's learning to pray together. Um, We are not prayer experts, um, but it's a part of the identity of who we are. And um, and it it is an important part uh, that we do not want to skip along the way uh, to assume that we can strategize or figure it out or solve the world problems independent of the voice of god speaking into these things that are deeply broken and need just the presence of god Um, and it's an incredible gift the gift of god to the world that we are used by god for the healing of the world but prayer is the way that we're learning to be sort of the conduits of that Um, and so we are always going to keep inviting our community to learn how to pray in response to see what to what we see going on in the world and in our own lives so this is a call again we've already had we are already doing that and we will already or we will continue to do that Uh, we just want to be as sort of explicit as as we can be to say that's that's a part of the identity of St. Clair and how we learn to respond so we trust that this uh, is helpful. Jenna Rensink from our leadership team; she is the point person right now for this uh, team of people that is being referenced, that are uh, helping us think through how do we respond well right now and in the long term. And so, if you're as you're engaging with this. Um, it brings to mind uh, opportunities that that you're aware of that would be good for St. Clair or you yourself want to be involved in this uh, more than you already are, uh, please reach out to Jenna. um, And uh, we think that will that will help us going forward. So this is not the last word, um, but we wanted to speak to this and and hopefully it was a timely way. Grace and peace. (laughs) Yes.